Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, content marketing strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your content better. Oracle Marketing Cloud helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. And by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. Now, here are your hosts, Jeffrey L. Cohen, Director of Content Strategy at Oracle Marketing Cloud. And from Uberflip, Randy Frisch. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Welcome to another episode of Content Pros. I'm very excited today. We're going to go into some space that we don't often dive into enough these days, I feel, which is really exploring video and exploring social channels. We often leave that to our good friends over at Social Pros Podcast, but content is very much there, and I'm very excited that we have Brian Fanzo here with us today. Brian is at iSocialFans, but before we get there, um, you know, Jeff uh, of Oracle Marketing Cloud, Jeff Cohen is with me as always. And Jeff, I know you've dug up a really interesting stat, which I'm sure we're going to get to later, but but why don't you intro that stat and let's let's talk a little bit about where things are going. Sure. Thanks, Randy. Great to be here co-hosting another episode of Content Pros. And as we've started doing here in season three is introducing a stat to kick off the conversation. And what we, what we found is that 72% of internet traffic in the year 2020 will be video, and 80% of that video will be consumed by a mobile device. So that's, that's heading towards all video, all mobile, all the time, isn't it, Randy? Yeah, it's it's wild, and you know it doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, I'm I'm watching the next generation, and you know I I know that when we bring Brian on shortly, he'll talk all about millennials. But you know, my kids, you know, their definition of entertainment is YouTube. You know, they would much rather put on YouTube and you know scare the hell out of me in terms of what they're watching. But you know, that's how they're consuming content. They want these tidbits where they go on to one piece to another. I think the biggest question, I don't know, Jeff, maybe you can talk about where you see things are going is what will video look like? You know, I mean, when you and I think about video historically, we would probably describe really well put together videos that were well thought out and you know, well produced. But I think, you know, with the rise of Snapchat and other channels, it's, it's getting a little bit more to the user generated content, to the in the moment content. You know, wh- where do you see things going? Yeah, that, it's a great question, Randy, because when I, when I look at video and I think about how it relates to content specifically, the idea of not just user-generated content, but yes, definitely in the moment, definitely shorter video, it, it really is all about how, how do you either take that 15 to 20 page PDF ebook and tell that same story in a two to three minute video? I mean, the, even, even though video seems to be exploding on mobile, the length of time that people stick with a video really hasn't changed that much. It still really is heading towards that two to three minute sweet spot. So what's happening is as, as brands think about their customers and prospects and the attention span, 
can you really tell your story across a series of two to three minute videos that someone can consume on a mobile device? It, it's really a pretty, a pretty interesting challenge from the brand side. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really interested to hear more about how companies are adapting to this in terms of their team, the dynamic, in terms of the equipment you need to have on, on you know, hand to, to execute. And let's chat a lot about this, but why don't, why don't you maybe bring in our guest who's definitely going to be a specialist? That sounds great. So Brian Fanzo, welcome to Content Pros. Just why don't you kick it off with a big open-ended question of tell us what about the world that you live in of video and and some of the things that you do just so we can kick off today's show. Sure, thanks so much for having me on. You know, um I you know, I love that conversation you guys were having there and I think, you know, for me, you know, uh, my name is Brian Fanzo, but I'm actually better known by uh my Twitter handle which is kind of uh, grown into my personal brand which is iSocialFans and, you know, I have a my career and background is really interesting and so I, I I do a lot of keynote speaking now, and I introduce myself on stage as a as a change evangelist. And really, that change evangelist concept plays really well into video and and really into content because you know I worked in cybersecurity for the Department of Defense uh, for my first nine years of my career, and um, I actually started blogging early on uh, right out of college. And uh, I had someone uh, an executive who actually I'm still friends with today uh, come to me and say, Brian, you know, we really love. Uh, that you, you're dedicated to educating the industry and and talking to people about um, what we're doing, but unfortunately, you know, you talk, you write like you talk, and we love what you're doing. We love that you're, you know, a face of what we're doing here in the cybersecurity space for the government. But we would like you no longer to blog uh, for our company, and um, that was kind of 2004, 2005 timeframe, and it really wasn't until 2009 that I actually got back into uh, finding my voice on um, in blogging, but throughout that time, I was live streaming, I was doing uh, video conferences, and I was doing a lot of these things, and so I guess for me, a lot of the, the, that I always thought of content being, you know, perfect and polished and being great on grammar, and unfortunately, I had, a, you know, that, that uh, interesting experience early on in my career, but it, it kind of allowed me to explore a lot of different areas, and I'm, I'm a tech background, I've never uh, had a job in marketing, which I don't know if many people that are going to come on your show have uh, can kind of say that side because for me I, I worked in social business and employee advocacy and and my job was really to find ways to amplify the voice of the customer of the partner and of the employee and that sometimes meant podcasting sometimes meant video sometimes meant blogging and uh, you know one of the things that I think is really exciting is you know our culture has really grown to be a little bit more forgiving and open for people to be kind of the the human characteristics which I which I absolutely love and so so live video and video content in general kind of dropped in my lap about three years ago because um, I have no problem talking. Actually, my tagline that I was given in, in 2009 uh, when I was doing a lot of keynote speaking um, at, at data center events and cybersecurity events, and just to set the record straight, there's not very many people tweeting there, so the bar was really low. But I, I got off stage and someone said, well, Brian, you know, you talk fast and you tweet even faster. And so my that's kind of my tagline and where I've kind of come. So I've taken my technology background and, and unique path and unique career to now I work with brands to really embrace a new mindset. And that kind of goes into what you guys were talking about um, just there is I think it's a new mindset of not only what video content looks like, 
but how it's created and then really how brands can use it. And that's really what my job is now. I work with Fortune 500 brands. I, I did 25 hours at the Super Bowl. I just got back from um, SAP event in Orlando where we did 55 interviews on seven different Facebook Live accounts um, over a three-day event. So a lot of what I'm doing is trying to really help brands embrace this new uh, mindset of change. And I, and I think that's really where this leads to. And I, I love talking content because uh, I've worked with so many great people in this space and learned so much. And, and I think video, uh, especially the video that I work on, I think it helps amplify great content. Uh, sometimes, unfortunately, it does help also amplify not great content. But um, this is, I think we're living in exciting times, and, and that stat alone shows that uh, video is here to stay and only going to get more uh, growth in the, in the near term. Well, that's a that's a great way to start. And if you're a, if you're a brand thinking about how to get started in video, let, let's just start at the top: Periscope versus Facebook Live. And presumably, we'll talk about Snapchat as a as a separate question. But I guess Periscope versus Facebook Live to start. So for me, you know, I, it's interesting. When I, I kind of got my start with the live video um, with Meerkat, which doesn't exist anymore, but I was at South by Southwest. I was actually giving a keynote on uh, the importance of personal branding in uh, for employees. And uh, Meerkat kind of came out. I had the luxury of kind of uh, playing with it a couple of weeks before South by. And, you know, when I left South by Southwest, I was number three on the leaderboard um, for, you know, with over two million active users that they had. And, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk was number Number one, Jimmy Fallon was number two, and I was number three, which um, I, I have that screenshot still saved on, on my desktop now. And um, for me, it's been interesting. The Not only has the, the platforms changed, but the features have changed. But something I learned early on was that I... You know, I started to pitch a lot of brands because I like helping brands, especially B2B brands, kind of embrace this change. And I kept getting people saying no. Everyone was saying no. And I would say, you know, here, I want to help you build out a Meerkat strategy. Or I want to help you build out a Periscope strategy. Or I want you to use, you know, new technology like Blab or Facebook Live. And really what I found out was after I got about 30 no's, which apparently I'm, I'm a little stubborn and, and thought I knew what I was doing, um, I kind of reframed the conversation and I said, you know, do you want to relate with your audience? Do you want to uh, tell a story in, in a u- unique way? Do you want to convey your authenticity and and your build that trust with your digital eyeballs? And the interesting thing was everyone said, yes, 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 yes. And then I would say, okay, well, let's figure out what success looks like for you. Let's Let's build out a business strategy around it, and then I'm going to let you know which technology is best for your individual um, solution. And I started getting lots of yeses, and that's kind of how a lot of the brands that I've worked with now. So really, when I come down to it, Facebook Live and Periscope, I look at them kind of like two different animals, just like I don't like to compare Facebook to Twitter. I think of Periscope, Periscope was purchased by Twitter, and it really takes advantage of the Twitter firehose. I like to call Twitter the unfiltered global firehose of communities. And really what that means for me is when you when you live stream on Periscope, you're live streaming and leveraging the power of Twitter, which means anyone and everyone can find you and discover your content. So someone doesn't have to be following you on Twitter. They don't even have to be following you on Periscope. But if they're searching for a common hashtag or a common phrase on Twitter, they can actually discover your live stream. So it allows you to really 
open up the doors and bring people in. And then Facebook Live is a little bit different where Facebook Live is what I like to call targeted live streaming. Because what it allows you to do is when you broadcast live on Facebook, the people that have already know, know you, already like you, already trust you, are able to actually get a push notification and watch you live stream on Facebook. Now, the mindset on Facebook is a little different as well because today, even with Facebook Live, nobody goes really onto Facebook and says, I want to I want to do live engagement. You know, that's where we go to Twitter. You usually come and post a comment, you cl you click a like and and that's really where you kind of stick to it from there on Facebook, but the mindset shift really depends on a, what you want to do, and then B, what your, you know, your business goals are. So I kind of look at both of them as different animals. And I will say this, if you're listening to this, you're like, wait a second, you're not talking about other live streaming platforms. You know, there's Ustream and Justin TV and Livestream.com. Really what I focus on is that mobile creator and the mobile consumer. And that's really where uh, the two leaders in the, in the clubhouse right now are definitely Facebook Live and Periscope. And I, I, I guess the, the way I'll round out that answer is, is if your audience is familiar with email marketing, you know, if you want to grow your email list, you have to reach people that don't know you or like you or trust you yet. And that's where Periscope comes in. If you want to nurture your existing email list and, and really, you know, speak to those people that already know you, already like you, and you have a better understanding of who you're actually framing your conversation for, that's where Facebook Live comes in. And that's kind of how I've helped brands kind of get their mind around these two new technologies. There are so many things that I love about the complexity of that answer. And the first one I'm, I'm actually going to focus on is when you switched from thinking about a Periscope slash Facebook Live strategy on its own to how those connect to larger business goals. And that's when people started responding. I think that's, that's a great lesson for, that's a great lesson for all marketers where you look at all of this stuff, how it serves the larger business as opposed to, as opposed to focusing on the technology itself, which I think is a, is a, a great idea. And then, and then the other thing that was pretty interesting is the difference between Periscope and Facebook Live, Periscope being more of an acquisition type channel and Facebook Live being more of a nurturing channel. Uh, I, I live in the B2B world, so I think about, I think about things certainly in, in that manner all the time. And, and it's a great distinction as, as people are starting to explore video. Uh, and then just to, to kind of ask a follow-up, how does how does Snapchat kind of fit into these same sort of conversations? Again, uh, I think of it from a B two B perspective. How does how does a B two B company even consider consider fitting Facebook or I'm sorry, fitting Snapchat into their larger their larger approach of either acquisition or nurturing existing customers? So, you know, I, I love this question, and I, I love the B2B space, and surprisingly enough, my, my biggest successes have actually came in the largest companies I've worked with, and most of them in the B2B space for live video, and really, it's where my, my philosophy, it's the strategy that I have now, it's the, the tagline that I use on my hat, it's, it's called Think Like a Fan, and it did work out pretty nicely that my last name is Fanzo, and I can kind of play on that, but Think Like a Fan really means, how do I create content, how do I give people access 
to information, insights, places, and people that they can't get anywhere else. And I think, in, you know, we hear in business, and, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, you know, a lot of people that focus on, you know, how do you help your consumer, and how do you really ultimately, you know, prove that you're authentic, and how do you, how do you, uh, you know, build that trust over time. And I believe live video allow, is like kind of the great equalizer here. And what it really allows people to do is it allows us as brands and then also the consumers to see the things behind the scenes. You know, we want to get access to the people behind the brand. We all know that brands are only great because they have great people at their company. But for the longest time, we've been focused on the logo. And nobody gets up in the morning and says, what's my favorite brand doing on social media? But the interesting thing is Snapchat is actually changing kind of our mindset when we're thinking about this access conversation because we want to know that people are real. People are raw, that people, you know, that, that you as a brand are stressing out just as much, you know, if you're a, a B2B enterprise size brand, that you have some of the same pain points that an, enter, you know, an entrepreneur or a startup or maybe a small business that's your potential customer has. And I think this idea of kind of shrinking the distance between the logo and the actual consumer is really where live video comes in. And I like to loop, uh, I like to lump in what I call social video. And the difference between social video and YouTube, and I don't think these compete. I actually build out most of my strategies with a live streamer, with a YouTuber, and with a Snapchatter, because I believe all three have different audiences and are different types of creators. But when I'm looking at these concepts, I love social video, because social video is about participatory content, meaning that people that they watch the video, they can comment and engage with you, the, the, the video streamer. And then if you're on Snapchat, you're actually able to tell a story using video, pictures, and text, but you're also able to incorporate people's conversations. And so if I look at a brand and I, I start talking to them about a strategy, I, I ask them, okay, do you have a product release coming up? Or are you currently on a big hiring uh, movement? And you know, everyone that wants to hire for a brand, they all say, you know, hey, please come work for our company. We're transparent. We trust our employees. We're authentic. And then they point somebody to a stale video that was shot in, you know, with a, you know, a fake background that was very scripted. And you say that that's how we're authentic. That's how we're trusted. Where I would look at a brand and say, hey, if you want to kind of grow that audience and attract people to understand what your brand's about, why not do a Snapchat story every Friday from a different office in your company around the world? And let's somebody in your company take over the account and interview people and give them access to different places and your culture. And then ultimately, you're able to repurpose that and put that on a YouTube channel. And when someone asks you, are you authentic? Do you, do you trust your employees? You don't have to say, yes, please believe me. You actually have it demonstrated. You've actually walking the walk. And I think that's this element now. And you also have channels like Twitch and YouNow and these channels that are building amazing communities. And I'm, I'm finishing up my first book and and one of the title one of the chapters of my book is community is the future of business and if we look at community being the future of business you build a community because you build it around people coming together around a common purpose and a common passion and there is no better way, in my opinion, today to share that purpose or that passion than video. And if you're a B2B brand, you know, I've worked with, you know, IBM has been my, my client now for about four years. I did the SAP event a couple of weeks ago. I've done work with Deloitte and Capgemini, HP and Dell. And a lot of what we're doing is we're giving people 
access. So I think if you get that long-winded answer there, the word that I keep, I focus on with all of these, these uh, technologies is giving people access to what they can't get anywhere else, or maybe giving them access behind the scenes of what they're already going to consume that they believe is great. I, I, there's so much, so much to comment on there, Brian. I mean, yeah, it's, it's funny. I mean, you talk about, you know, making the brand relatable and, you know, Jeff, you and I were, were exchanging emails just the other day on, you know, that that's one of the things that keeps us up at night, making sure that our brands are relatable to our audience. Um, and it's, I think it's so true. I think it's one of the things that as marketers we're, we're up all the time on. I want to, I want to try and summarize and get your opinion on, on one other aspect that you touched on there, which, you know, it's, it's funny. I mean, I work at Uberflip and our company announced the other day internally that we're, you know, we're now going to be on Snapchat, right? So you know, I remember there was a long time ago where the big debate was, you know, do we go on to Instagram? Do we go on to all these channels? Which ones do we choose, right? I mean, I think we're beyond the debate on some of those channels that have become proven, but a lot of companies are first deciding, will they go on to these new channels? And then I think the next question, and this is the one that's, that's starting to keep me up a bit, is how do you get on there? And when I say how, not what content, but who's going to be responsible for that? And it's interesting when you were talking about Twitter as an example and linking to videos that were created before. Today, I often think of a channel like Twitter as a distribution channel. Right? It's, it's a channel where, we're, where our social media manager, depending on the size of our organization, is linking to content that was created strategically over time and where we're trying to target people on specific audiences. But So if I were to label Twitter as a distribution channel, right or wrong, as you described Snapchat, it sounds like it's more of a creation platform. It's the platform we're actually creating content in the moment. And I guess the question there becomes, who should manage that now? Is it the social media person or is it the content team? And how do you start merging those, especially in larger organizations? I love the question. And I, you know, and I love that you guys are getting on Snapchat. And I think actually, you know, Snapchat, you know, poses a lot of interesting limitations. And I, I my saying now is I wasn't a big Snapchat fan early on. Um, actually, I wrote a blog post calling it the dumbest app of all time. So um, I, there was one point where I didn't really understand the value. But, you know, this idea where if we're looking at, you know, from a brand perspective, when you're getting on these new channels, I think one of the biggest problems every single brand has made since really social media became, and kind of like you said, you know, a lot of people look at Twitter as a broadcasting platform and not a conversation platform and not a water cooler uh, platform around a hashtag, kind of like what it was built for. But I, if, I, if I look at this, the ultimate roots of the problem is brands for the longest time have not built communities. They've actually built followings on different social networks. And so when I look at this and I say, okay, how do I leverage this new technology? I work, I mean, I love the bleeding edge. I like helping brands embrace their FOMO or their, their fear of missing out. What I tell them is let's, 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 let's reexamine the community that we've built. And then let's focus on what do we want to do with that community? What's the business value? What's the, what's our business goals that can relate to that community? And then how do we give them access to that, to where we really build that, that trust and authenticity so that we can create brand advocacy? 
advocates so that we can turn our customers into our biggest sales channel because our customers are going on their, on their platforms. And one of the things for me is the easiest thing you can do on live video and Snapchat is you can celebrate your employees and your customers. And it's super easy, and it sounds like it's a no-brainer, but it's often really the part where when I start talking to a brand, they're like, oh, man, you know, Brian, I, I really trust my employees, but I don't want to give them access to the Snapchat account with my, with my brand logo on it. And then I'm always like, well, do you really trust them, or do you want them to believe they're being trusted? But I actually think of it as not really who controls the actual account, but actually, you know, one of the biggest misconceptions is people look at live video and Snapchat because it's in the moment and believe that you don't need a strategy. And I would actually say the opposite. Because it's live, because it's raw, because it's real, having a strategy is actually how you make a difference, how you make someone memorable, how you make it valuable. And that strategy starts by saying, what does success look like? What is the audience we're trying to reach? And then who is on the platform? And how do we create it that, it, that it's authentic and organic to the actual community? And I've worked with a couple brands. And what I've actually recommended for them is, you know, you have some great people that are already on Snapchat. Why don't you hire them to run that Snapchat account? Or look at your employees. You know, it's amazing. I, I worked in the employee advocacy space for the longest time. And so many companies would say, well, you know, we're trying to figure out how we're going to get our employees to be on social. And then I would run a little, you know, a, a run a tool and I would say, well, right now, 78% of your employees actively tweet on Twitter, you know, two times a week. And they would say, oh my goodness, they're already on Twitter. So one of the things comes back to is your employees are probably already using Snapchat. They already probably have found different ways and things that they like to consume on there. And I would actually start by simply asking the people that are already on your payroll, you know, what can we show as our company? You know, if you do food truck Fridays, every Friday, you know, in your company, you do a, a, a food truck event. Why not give the Snapchat Snapchat account and kind of go around and ask people what food they're eating and, and ask them how their day is going or what they're excited about happening this summer. And ultimately, what that's doing is it's giving people access into your, your culture and people, but it's not telling them, like, this is how, if you want to be an a employee of our company, this is what you want to see. And I think this idea of of raw access, and then it's not also controlled by one group within a company. I actually think it should be controlled and managed based on the actual business goal, not really what the overall platform is. Because I actually think brands still use Twitter incorrectly. I think if you want to get value out of Twitter, you should have your customer service team engaging on your Twitter account. You should have your sales team engaging on their Twitter account. You should have your employees sharing your social content with their own voice and their own story. Because one of the things that we know that is true is that every company is great because they have great employees and every employee has a story to tell. And I think these platforms now just give us the vehicle to do so. But I guess the, I, I'll kind of wrap that in saying just because it's live, just because it's real, because it's in the moment, it doesn't mean you need a you don't need a strategy. You actually probably need a strategy more so. And just build swim lanes. Tell people, you know, for me, I say, okay, you can't talk about the intellectual property. You can't go on the third floor. When we think about this, I always call them swim lanes when I tell people how they should use these technologies because we don't want to say, you know, if you give someone a whiteboard, they're going to stare at the whiteboard and have no idea what to do. But if you give them four squares and four different titles on those four squares, they'll fill out that those that information. So for me, it's it's about. How Having a strategy, it's about understanding the platform and the audience with what your business goal is, and then ultimately giving them swim lanes so that they can create kind of that real, raw, organic content.
So I just want to ask a, a quick follow-up there because you touched on something that I think a lot of us as content marketers who are focused on social, focused on these channels, maybe are struggling with sometimes. And you know, we you, you touched on building a, the culture and giving identity to who's behind the big corporate giant on these social channels. But you talked a lot about doing it in terms of who are the employees working there, you know, what's the vibe working there. And, you know, for my company, we we ended up you know, very much going down that alley on Instagram, as an example, we had, you know, a lot of pictures of, you know, ping pong and, you know, beer on Fridays and, you know, just the good vibe of what the team is working on here and how motivated they, they are behind our core values. But earlier this calendar year, I think it was just at the beginning of the calendar year, we started to also post uh, information about content that we had created. So, you know, you could go to our profile on, on Instagram because it's, you know, everyone hacks the intended use and, you know, click on the, on the link to find our latest piece of content, whether it's a podcast or a blog post. So what's your opinion on, you know, merging that understanding of culture with here's what our product or here's what our thought leadership is about. I love that question. And that, I mean, that's, that's really where I've found my passion, um, you know, from the employee advocacy space. And, and I always love to say, you know, when it comes down to this is, you know, nobody will ever say that you're helping too much or you're providing too much value. But that word value, I think, is thrown around a lot. And I always tell people, especially you know, in the live streaming spaces, value is not determined by you, the creator of the content. Value is determined, engaged, and measured by the audience that's actually receiving that content. So I look at this as, really, it's all one story. Because when, you're, when we're talking about from a B2B brand, if you're a large B2B brand and, and your, your life cycle or, or your path to purchase is an 18-month cycle, or if you're a B2C company and, and you sell chocolates in Australia, you ultimately want to, you want to relate with the people and you want to give them access to who the brand is and what it's about because we have so much data and so much things available to us today. I use this quote all the time is, you know, we, we've heard it from, you know, Henry Ford always said that, you know, before he invented the car, he said if he would have asked his customers, his customers would have told him he wanted fast, they wanted faster horses. Well, I think in 2016, it's different. If you asked your customer, if Henry Ford asked his customers today, they would tell them, not only would they tell him exactly what kind of car they would want, but how many miles per gallon, how much they were willing to pay, because we have the ability to have access to data as customers, as consumers, as partners, as B2B brands, to really understand all of these things that before, maybe we had, we were kind of the wool was behind our eyes, or the, the customer wasn't always the smartest person. And I think by reframing this conversation, now we say, okay, if the customer can re, uh, can check you know uh, different product sites like Product Hunt or Amazon.com, what makes somebody stop? what they're doing, get in their car and go to buy something from a brick and mortar company rather than getting it from Amazon. Sometimes you can get Amazon delivered the same day. I believe that same concept there is the same reason someone goes back to the, their friend and asks them, hey, what's that product that you were, you're selling at your company? And you know, what's Oracle's new uh, you know, product release? I know that we're trying to get into this product. It really comes down to relating with somebody behind the brand and trusting that the brand listens and understands their customer. And so to answer that question, I believe every way you can possibly share what you're about 
And then really, it comes down to talking about how and why. Because really, nobody cares about the what. You know, I sat there and watched WWDC at the Apple event, and I'm an Apple fanboy. That's why there's a lowercase i in the, in the front of my Twitter account. But I don't, I don't care about buying the new iPhone or the new operating system. I care about how that's going to impact me and why Apple added those features. And I think if we look at that kind of mindset for everything we're creating today, and we start thinking about how does this relate to our customer? How does this help our customer? And then why did we do this? And why should they care? When you create content in that mindset today, if it's Instagram, if it's live video, you know, I, I have a term called upcycling, which really means taking great content. And rather than just creating content for content's sake, take that great content and recycle it into different elements. So if you have a great uh, you know, 30-minute video, why not put the video into a slide share and create slide shares about the 10 takeaways that you had on the video. And then take the first minute clip of that video and upload it to Instagram because now Instagram supports one minute uh, uh, Instagram videos. And now you can actually use that video to an introduction into your YouTube video and then create, a, create an infographic based on the feedback that you got during that live video. And now you have an infographic. And I think for me, a lot of that comes down to if you focus on that great content that defines the how and the why, you can do all of these other things and all of these other channels without having to reinvent the wheel. Brian, one of the things that you mentioned was the importance of story. And one of our sponsors here at Content Pros Podcast is another Convince and Convert podcast called The Business of Story, hosted by Park Howell. He has a stellar lineup of storytellers that span across all industries, from Hollywood to B2B. And their insights can help take your business content from meh to wow. Tune in at thebusinessofstory.com. So, Brian, one of the things that a marketing organization like mine focuses on is the idea of marketing qualified leads. Our demand gen is actually part of our culture. And while our social team absolutely understands the, the value of engagement and building community and being relatable, how does how does the world of how does the world of social video as you call it actually drive demand and deal with things like calls to action and getting people into the buying cycle i love that question you know and for me i think you know, there's when you're looking at live video, I believe that's why I always say you start by defining what success looks like. And if success is that 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 lead gen, you know, the, the one of the limitations that we really struggle with with the social video platforms, and it's you know, Periscope, Facebook Live, and Snapchat are all three very guilty of this, is they don't give us much data and they've really tried hard to not allow marketers to ruin the platforms by you know not giving us clickable links in our stories and and not giving us you know uh, e-commerce options inside of these different tools. But I actually love these limitations because for me, it actually allows us to do lead gen in a, in a much more organic and, and real way. And what I mean by that is, you know, I actually use paid social with, with both Facebook Live and Twitter to kind of bridge that, that idea of lead gen. So I don't, worry about as much when I'm working with a brand of giving a direct call to action inside of a Periscope live stream or a Facebook live stream. But what we focus on is understanding 
uh, the audience that's actually engaging with the, the video, and then also who those people are. And it's amazing. You'll take a 30-minute video on Periscope, and, and the average person that is watching it, let's say you have 250 live viewers, and 100 people sat around and watched that 20 minutes of the 30 minutes of that video. Well, if you took those 20 people, and you took their Twitter accounts, and you, you understood their personas, and you built a Twitter paid ad, and you then targeted that persona with a piece of content that was a little deeper dive than your 30-minute live video was, you'd be amazed at the success rate of that call to action, mainly because if someone's already willing to sit through that long of, of video content, of course they're going to want more information and provided a little deeper uh, elements. And I love doing this where I like to call it bridging your communities. And really, if you're on Snapchat, one of my favorite ways on Snapchat is do a campaign or a, a you know an event you know where you're doing your call to action is we're going to give you the three uh, three different products that we have coming up in our in our upcoming release and we want you to take a screenshot of the product that you would love to see discounted next month and then what we would like you to do is we'd like you to actually take that screenshot and tweet it out with the hashtag you know think like a fan and then what you're doing is you're allowing people to engage you're giving them a call to action that is built for within the Snapchat platform but then you're bridging that into a platform that A, you can measure them, B, you can actually understand who they are, and C, you can continue the conversation maybe on a platform like Twitter where you're used to driving more paid social, driving more call to action. So I actually look at these platforms as yes, you can do call to actions on live video. Yes, you can do them in Snapchat. But I think if you get creative and you you understand that if you build that alliance and someone sits around and consumes that content over a period of time, you're actually able to drop the call to action on another platform or combined with another platform and get a much higher success rate than you would on any other platform. That's a great way to think about it. Thanks. And for our final question, which will be a a quick one, what did you want to be when you were growing up, Brian? Ooh, what I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. I, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I bleed uh, black and gold. I, I, I moved to Virginia Beach uh, early on and, uh, and went to high school there. And I always wanted to be a, a sports broadcaster. I love talking. I love sports. I love uh, kind of giving people access. And it, it's funny because I, I worked in cyber, then I worked in cloud computing, and then I worked in social business. And now I've come all the way back around to really I'm able to be a broadcaster with just my iPhone in my pocket. So I, I'm... I'm not there. I never made it onto ESPN, but uh, it's a, it was an interesting journey for, to get to where I'm at now. And never know, maybe one day I'll be doing my own sports broadcasting show on, on one of these live video platforms. That's awesome, Brian. Well, I, I, I don't know which uh, black and gold you're referring to, but if, if you're a hockey fan too, congrats on uh, the recent Pittsburgh Penguins uh, victory. If, oh, if thank you. you. Yes, uh, I actually play, I played hockey in college, so I I, I was a diehard uh, Penguins fan, and uh, it was a, one heck of a season. And our my friends port, you know, in the Silicon Valley, or the Sharks finally made it. So I felt a little bit bad, but not really, because I was proud that uh, uh, my Penguins pulled that off. So thanks. Fantastic. Well, I, I can relate to the the passion for hockey as a Canadian, and it 
actually allows me to also talk about another great event uh, happening up here in Canada for those who are interested later in the summer of 2016. Uh, August 24th and 25th in Toronto, we're going to look really deep at content experiences, thinking about how content is leveraged through the bio journey. Uh, Jay Bear of Convince and Convert will be there. We're going to have Lee Odin there. We've got a great lineup of speakers uh, that has been formed, and we welcome you to come and join us in Toronto, uberflip.com slash experience for more details. Um, you know, Brian, this has been great today. We could easily go on for, for hours here talking about everything you know. Um, and maybe I'll, I'll leave people with one call to action for you. I mean, usually I tell people to follow someone on Twitter or follow someone here. I mean, I don't know where for them to follow you because you are everywhere. Um, but, you know, if people want to check out more about Brian, you can go to isocialfans.com. Fan is with a Z at the end. And uh, there's a great newsletter there that you can uh, sign up for. And as Brian says, it'll ensure that you don't have a fear of missing out. You know, he'll cure your FOMO there. Uh, Anyways, thanks so much for joining. This has been another great episode of Content Pros. Uh, Jeff Cohen from Oracle Marketing Cloud, thank you so much for joining me. I'm Randy Frisch from Uberflip. You can find all episodes of Content Pros at contentprospodcast.com. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, wherever you are, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Good, bad, what do you want to hear as a content pro yourself and from those we're bringing on this podcast? Take care. Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip, and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by...